Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, good morning. How is everybody today? All right, I like that. I like that. Welcome to South Valley. My name is Ricky Hemi. Great to be back with you guys today. First things first, I want to just say thank you to Seth and to Marcus for preaching these last two weeks. Can we give it up for them? They did an amazing job. It was awesome. It was amazing. We still have some of the SBA set up up here because we're, you know, we're doing Summer of Psalms, so we're leaning into that summer vibe. Another cool update I wanted to give you. Uh, so this last weekend, Katrina Mooreshead, we have a new partner in Mexico. We're, we're sponsoring an orphanage called Buena Vida. Katrina Mooreshead and Janet Brown, they drove down to the orphanage for the weekend, got to see the kids in person. Here's a quick little picture of that. Got to uh, hang out with the kids see some of them graduate high school, got to meet the guy running the orphanage, and they're going to give us a little bit of update through a video next week. They're also going to be visiting uh, Kenya in a couple of weeks. So we're, we're staying in touch with our missionary partners. You heard from Jonathan, when you give to South Valley, you don't get just help this, this church, but you get to be a part of local missions and global missions, and we try to stay in touch with our missionary partners. One cool thing they got to do, uh, at Summer Bible Adventure, we raised $3,000 for Buena Vida Orphanage. The kids raised that, which was, which was awesome. And Janet and Katrina, they actually got to bring the check down there and give it to them in person. The other, you know, $2,500 to $3,000 is actually going to go to help kids in this community, backpacks, school supplies, different needs like that. So thanks for, for giving to that. Very exciting stuff. Uh, today is week three of Summer of Psalms, and in today's passage, we're going to take a look at what it looks like to live the happy life. And I know that's an important topic because, let's just be real this morning, everybody wants to be happy, right? We all have a desire within our lives to be happy, and that desire is not actually a bad desire. It's something that is innate within us and something that God actually cares about. Now, today's sermon is titled, The Blessed Life. The Blessed Life, it's uh, the happy life. And, uh, and, and Psalm 1 has a lot to say about the happy life. So if you guys have your Bibles, turn in them now to Psalm chapter 1. That's going to be our passage for today. And as you're turning there, I wanted to put something on your radar, something I read this week. According to a recent poll, 70% of Americans are unhappy with their job. Did you know that? Some of you are like, yeah, I totally, yep, I know that. Mm-hmm. Another poll suggested that the bulk of Americans aren't just happy with their job, but they're actually unhappy with their job. They're actually unhappy with their lives. Now, this is alarming because our country is built on three principles, right? In the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. So our country wants to provide an environment where you can pursue Happiness. It guarantees that you can pursue happiness, but it never promises you'll actually find it. You see, a lot of people are out there pursuing happiness, doing what they think will actually make them happy. But at the end of the day, many Americans today are actually unhappy. 
We can pursue it, but it doesn't mean we're actually going to find it. And I, I love this country. I'm proud of this country. I loved celebrating the 4th of July. Did you guys have a good time? 4th of July, I loved it. My family had a great time. We want to pursue happiness, but here's the thing. Psalm 1 has a different version of happiness because it teaches that happiness is never found by direct pursuit. Happiness is a byproduct of another pursuit. And it's this. When you pursue God and when you pursue the things of God, even the holiness of God, happiness comes in the wake. When you pursue God, happiness tags along. And that is the message of Psalm chapter 1. And this is a different paradigm for happiness than many of us have been raised to believe. So turning your Bibles right now to Psalm chapter 1. Today we're going to talk about the happy life, the blessed life. I'm going to pray and we'll jump into it. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this chance to open up your word. I pray, God, that we would be guided by you. We have a desire to, to be fulfilled to, to be content, to be happy. You've placed that within us, but we cannot find that contentment and joy apart from you. And many of us are spinning our wills, doing this and that and pursuing this and that in order to get just a fraction of happiness and joy in our lives, when in reality, we need to be looking to you. And when we find you, joy, contentment, and happiness come along with it. Come along with you. And so I just pray, God, that we would be open to hearing from you and evaluating where we are on our path with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Psalm 1, this is what it says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked though, the wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now, Psalm chapter one is important because it highlights the predominant theme of the rest of of the Psalter. You guys probably know this, but the book of Psalms is the longest book in the entire Bible. You know that? And the longest chapter in the entire Bible is found in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. So the Psalms is a very important passage, a uh, book in the Bible. Actually, when Jesus was doing his ministry, the book he quoted more than any other book in the Old Testament was the book of Psalms. And the very first word of Psalms, the very first word, the, the word that opens up the whole Psalter, this, this gives us an idea of what this book is about. The first word in Hebrew is the Hebrew word ashrei, and ashrei means happy. Happy. Some translations will actually have the word happy. Ashrei means blessed or happy, and it's actually plural in the Hebrew when you're reading this text in Hebrew. And the reason it's plural is because that's a, a, a Hebrew way of emphasizing a word. So it's actually oh so happy or supremely happy or oh the blessedness of the one who trusts God's path. Here's the thing about Psalm 1, which makes it so famous. Not only is it the beginning of Psalms, but it also presents two paths in life. The happy path and the path that leads to destruction. 
The, the path that is blessed by God, that God has God's favor and God's grace, that a path that is embodied by God's goodness, and a path that is away from God, not, not submitting to God, and that ultimately ends apart from God. And so you get an option with life, which path are you going to take? And that's reminiscent of Jesus, right? Jesus often presented two paths, two doors, two ways, two gates. Which one are you going to enter by? Which path are you going to take? Jesus says it this way. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who find it and enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And so Psalm 1 and just like Jesus' ministry, Jesus' messages were, were given to help us determine which path we are on. And so that's a question for you this morning. And only you can answer this question for yourself. Which path are you on this morning? Are you on the blessed path, the narrow path? It might be hard, but it's a path blessed by God, walking with God. Or have you taken a turn? Have you fallen off the path? Have you crashed and burned? Where are you today? And can you say with confidence today where your life is headed? Are you headed toward God or away from God? Are you on the right path or have you fallen off? And here's the thing, and, and, and this is just a reality in life. There are times where we will fall off the path. That's to be expected. There are times where we'll fall off the path. The question is, what do we do when we fall off? How do we respond? So last week, I was up in Lake Tahoe uh, with my family. Um, so we made some friends out here in Lemoore. This is our first time getting away with friends from Lemoore. They, they rented a cabin. We stayed with them. We got to visit uh, Tahoe for uh, 4th of July. And I just got to say, Tahoe is like one of the most beautiful places in California. It is remarkable. Just green and, and trees and clean air and lakes. And it was, it was awesome. And one of my favorite things to do while I was out, and by the way, that water is freezing in Lake Tahoe. So somebody convinced us to go out on a boat and go wakeboarding. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. It's like 185 degrees in Lemoore right now. That sounds great. So we go up to Tahoe. It's like 75 degrees in Tahoe. And the, and the, the water in the lake was as cold as the water in my Yeti ice chest. No lie. And I jump in the lake to go surfing with my son. We had a little surfboard. And I, 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 my body froze immediately. It's windy. It's cold. And, I'm, and Johnny's like, Dad, that water looks cold. I'm like, no, it's not cold at all. Jump in, dude. And he jumps. You're such a liar, Dad. Like, wants to punch me in the face. Um, but he got up on the surfboard. It was awesome. So one of my favorite things to do, though, when we were in Tahoe, uh, besides, you know, after I jumped in the water once, that was, that was enough for me. But after that... I loved riding my bike around, around Tahoe. We have bikes. My kids and I ride bikes literally every day. That's not an exaggeration. And Tahoe has bike trails everywhere. And you see the beauty of Tahoe. There are trails all through the trees. You get to see the mountains. You get to see the water. It is so amazing. Well, we were out on a bike ride. We found a BMX park in the middle of the hills, okay? And, and Johnny saw this BMX park, and he was stoked on this thing. So he's racing around it. And within, you know, one lap of racing around it, he's challenging all the little kids to, to, to race him. That's just Johnny. Um, but he's also a little overconfident, okay? So he's challenging the little kids, and uh, he's racing them. He's doing an awesome job until he flies over this berm. 
And I'm like right behind him. So I was filming all of it and I missed that or I would have loved to show you guys this crash. Because uh, my first reaction was to laugh because I'm like, we're going around this turn and he's going way too fast because he's, he's just overly confident kid. And he flies over the berm and just disappears on the other side. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's on the other side over there. And so I look over the berm and it's this big drop and his bars are all sideways and he's got, you know, some scrapes and a Charlie horse, he's limping and crying. And, and at first I was going to laugh and then I saw him cry. I'm like, no, daddy should not laugh at that. So I walk over and I pick him up. I'm dusting him off. I'm like, dude, you okay? And he's crying. He's like, I want to go home. And, and we know like, we're like three or four miles still away from, from the, the cabin. So I thought I was going to have to call Carly to come pick us up. But through the tears, he looked up and he saw a skate park in the distance. And all of a sudden he stopped crying. So I'll Dad, can we go try the skate park? I'm like, yes, get on, get on, son. And we go to the skate park, okay? So that's Johnny. That's, that's my son. Here's, here's something that I teach Johnny and the rest of my kids. Something you teach your kids, I'm sure. When you fall, back, when you fall down, you get back up again, right? Can I get an amen? When you fall down, you dust yourself off, and you get back up again. Now, here's another thing that I teach my kids, you will fall down. Okay, Johnny, he's very confident, so he thinks at times he will never overshoot a berm and crash. That's just because he's six years old. Doesn't take long to realize you will fall down. As a human being, you are fallible. You are a sinner. Own that. Don't be afraid to, to, to acknowledge that. You are a sinner by nature and choice. You will make mistakes. You will fall down. You will crash and burn. That's a reality of life. It is going to happen. We are fallible. And, and here's the thing. God gives us second chances. And when we go off the path and we overshoot the berm, whether it was on purpose or we made a mistake or somebody else pushed us off the path or we just were being foolish and we crashed and we burned. The temptation when we crash and burn is to, number one, be, be ashamed of it. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I, I should have listened. I should have been smarter. I shouldn't have made that mistake. I should have watched. I should have been more careful. I can't. And so sometimes we, we were so bummed out and angry with ourselves, we, we, we just can continue to pity ourselves when in reality God is saying get back up and get back on the path other times we crash and we burn and we're hurting and we think like oh my gosh I'm never going to try this again and God is inviting us though to get back on the path you are going to crash and burn but like Johnny you got to get back on the path have you crashed maybe you're here at church today because you've realized you've crashed. And maybe it's taken you a long time to finally acknowledge it. Like, you know what? I really am lost. I really have gone off the rails. I've gone off the path. The strong one, the humble one, the wise one understands we will fall. They acknowledge that they've fallen and they come to the one who can lift them out of it, dust them off, set them back on the path again. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you come to him when you're broken and hurting and lost, he will put you back on the path towards God. Can I get an amen? amen. Don't give up. Don't give up 
when you crash. Even if you're ashamed of it. Even if you shouldn't have done it in the first place. Don't give up. Dust yourself off. Get back on the path. Falling is inevitable. We will mess up. But Psalm 1 is an invitation to be on the right path with God. And if we've fallen off, to get back on the right path with God. God has you here today to remind you he wants to walk with you. So embrace him and allow him to guide you on the right path. Well, the psalmist provides three signposts, warning signs of what it looks like when you've fallen off the path. Maybe some of you today are like, you know what, to be honest, I don't even know where I'm at. I'm lost. I don't know what path I'm on. If I'm walking with God, if I'm not, I don't know where I am at. Well, if that's you, the psalmist gives us three signposts, warning signs, that we might be on the wrong path. He says this, uh, blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sits or nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Okay, so these are the warning posts and the warning signs. And these warning signs can be summarized with three questions. The three questions are this. Number one, whose advice do you follow? If you're wondering today what path you are on, are you on the blessed path or the wide path that leads to destruction? One way to answer that question is this. Whose, whose advice are you following? Are, are you following God's word, God's advice, the advice of the godly, or are you following what everybody else says? The second question is this, who do you identify with? We live in a day and age where identifying with something or in something is very important to people. There's all kinds of things that people are identifying as or identifying in. The question is this, who do you at your core identify with? Is his name Jesus? Who do you identify with? And number three, what do you spend your time talking about? What do you spend your time talking about? Let's look at each one of these. So the lost man, lost woman, is lost in three ways. The first way they're lost is that they follow bad advice. They follow bad advice. And the advice that Psalm 1 is thinking about here, talking about here, is worldly advice. The advice that you can get uh, anywhere else, uh, you know, on Instagram, social media of any kind, Facebook, Twitter, some news stations, there, there is advice out there that is, is contrary to what God would, would tell you. And the question is, whose advice are you following? Now, there are two dangers. There are two dangers in life, okay? One danger is to follow nobody's advice. That's one danger. To isolate yourself, to pull away from people, to say, no, I... I'm going to do things my own way. Don't tell me what to do. Don't talk to me about that. I'm going to do me. You do you. Don't tell me how to live my life. I don't follow anyone's advice. That's one terrible road to walk down. That's a dangerous road. Maybe some of you are walking on that road today. I know I've walked down that road today. And let me just tell you, it didn't end well. The other way to do it, the other bad way to do advice, is to follow everybody's advice. I don't know if you've realized this, but in today's culture, everybody has an opinion about how you should live your life. Have you guys realized that? Uh, you probably realized that the last time you had Thanksgiving with all your family members. Grandma has an opinion. Dad has an opinion. Mom has an opinion. Older brother has an opinion. Younger brother has an opinion. Your crazy uncle has an opinion. 
The news channel has an opinion. Twitter has an opinion. Instagram has an opinion. Facebook has an opinion. Your textbook has an opinion. And so you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to try all of it. There are people, especially young people today, who are being tossed to and fro by the wave of every new opinion, every new thing that they hear, that, they, that, that a celebrity gets behind or that others get behind, every new fad, they get behind that and it's like, oh my gosh, this is the new opinion and so that's what I'm going to build my life on. And, and here's the thing, you could either follow nobody's advice, which is dangerous, you could follow everybody's advice, which is equally dangerous, or you could follow the advice of the word of God. Which one are you going to do? Two paths. God's path. The world's path. Jesus's way. Your own way. One of the signs that you might be lost is that you are following bad advice. Walking among the counsel of the wicked, the psalmist says. The second sign that you might be lost is that you are standing now. You're not just walking, but now you are standing in the way of sinners. And so that's number two, identifying with the ungodly. Now what you're going to see in this psalm is there's this downward spiral. You start with just listening to junk out there, and, but you're, you're walking, you're just moving, and you're, you hear all the junk. But then you slow down and you stop and you stand. And you don't just listen at this point. Now you're starting to associate with the junk. You're identifying at that point with the ungodly. The word stand means to linger, to stay a while, to loiter. Okay, if you walk in the footsteps of bad advice, you will eventually stand among those who give it. Did you hear that? If you walk in the footsteps of bad advice, you'll eventually stand among those who give it. 1 Corinthians 15 says, bad company corrupts good character. Now, just a side note on this. Does this mean that we need to avoid sinners or ungodly people or people far from God? Should we avoid people far from God? Absolutely not, right? Jesus was often criticized for being friends with tax collectors and who? Sinners, okay? Jesus sat down with tax collectors and sinners, ate meals with broken, lost people. He loved those far from God, related to people far from God, built friendships and relationships with people far from God. But here's the thing. When Jesus was with people far from God, Jesus influenced them. They didn't influence him, That's what it looks like to live as a Christian in a broken world. As believers, we don't isolate from the lost. We don't isolate from our neighbors. We don't isolate from people who are different from us. We don't isolate from people who would vote differently than you. You don't isolate from people who look differently or sound differently or hold have different values. You don't isolate. You press into those lives. You press into those people. You invite them around your table. You get to know them. You love them. You hear them. You sit down with them. But at the end of the day, you influence them. They don't influence you. That's evangelism. That's discipleship. That's the mission of a Christian. What's happening here, though, in Psalm 1, this person has listened to bad advice. They started to slow down and identify with those giving that bad advice. And instead of, instead of 
influencing the ungodly. The ungodly are are now influencing them. And now they're going to take it one step further because they're not walking anymore. They're not standing anymore. What's the next word that he uses in the psalm? They're sitting. They're sitting. They're sitting down as a scoffer. They, They scoff God's way. They don't stand with sinners anymore. Now they sit in the seat of scoffers. So this guy went from bad to worse, following bad advice, identifying with the ungodly, now mocking God's way. Mocking God's truth. Mocking God's word. Now some of you are seeing this and you're like, I, how is that going to happen to me? Like I, there's no way I would go that far that fast. That's what everybody says, who goes that far that fast. Some of you today, maybe you're here today because you feel like, you know what? I feel like I need to hear from God again because it's been a long time since I've listened to the Lord. Maybe you were like somebody, uh, like the kids at Summer Bible Adventure. You gave your life to Jesus at a young age. You got baptized. You made friends. You loved church. You went to high school. You graduated high school. You went to college. And he stopped walking with the Lord. And, 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 and at first, it wasn't that you're abandoning God. You're just, you just, you're busy. And because you were busy, you just didn't have time for God. And so during that time where you didn't have time for God, you did have time for other things. And, and you're in this new environment. And, and not every college environment is bad. Go to college. Get a degree. Have influence. Be a scientist. Be a teacher. Be a politician. Do all those things. But in the midst of that, don't lose sight of God because eventually what happens when, you, when you're going in this new path, you start to listen to that bad advice. And then you go from that bad advice to standing and identifying with the ungodly. And then before you know it, you're actually mocking God's way. Twitter and Instagram Facebook, YouTube, you're putting things out there. Or, or if that's not you, you know others who have done this, where they've gone, so they spiraled downward into sin, further and further away from God, where at one time they were, they, they were sharing the truth of God. Now they're mocking the truth of God. And here's the thing. We live in a time, and, and I'm not trying to, to scare you. I'm just, just being real, and this doesn't scare me. This is just something we have to be aware of and, and just keep this on your radar. It's popular today to mock Christians. It just is. And that's not going away anytime soon. And since it's so popular, the temptation is going to be to become like everybody else and to mock God's way. Will you stand on the right path or will you veer from the path? Maybe you veered from the path. And I just want to say, I, I know what it's like to fall I, uh, and I know what it was like to be far from God. I remember meeting Jesus at a young age and then doing this very same thing. I'm telling you this out of experience. I did this very same thing. This perfectly describes my life apart from Jesus, and it perfectly describes my life as a teenager. I loved Jesus as a little kid, 
turned from God and, and totally mocked his way. I remember what it was like to follow bad advice, to identify with a, a group of the lost, and to actually mock and criticize the way of God until I was confronted with, with just how broken and lost I really was. And Jesus w- grabbed a hold of me, came into my life, put me back on a solid path, back on, on a path with him, forgave me, gave me a new life, and I was forever changed. And from that point on, my my mission has been to point people to the right path. It's my job today. But it can happen. Charles Spurgeon, he describes the downward spiral like this. He says, when men are living in sin, they go from bad to worse. At first, they merely walk in the counsel of the careless and ungodly who forget God. The evil is rather practical than habitual. But after that, They become habituated to evil, and they stand in the way of open sinners who willfully violate God's commandments. And if let alone, they go one step further, and they become themselves pestilent teachers and tempters of others. And thus they sit in the seat of the scornful. They have taken their degree in vice, and as true doctors of damnation, they are installed. It's a slow fade Deeper and deeper, darker and darker. I don't know if this describes you. I don't know if you're lost. But the only way back is to respond to the voice of God. If you are on this path, which is a perpetual downward spiral, Jesus today is inviting you back to himself. And one of the signs, the only signs, we saw three signposts of being on the wrong path. There's only one sign that you're on the right path, and it's this, that you delight in the word of God. It says, on his law, he meditates day and night. That's that's the person who is on the right path. The person who meditates on the law of God day and night. That is a sign that you are on the right path. You are on the right path when the word of God is the thing that illuminates the path ahead of you. Now, now when I say delighting in God's word, now here's, here's another hard challenge, and, and this is hard in this passage. When we say delighting in God's word, we're talking about delighting in all of God's word. Not just the passages that we like. All of it. Delighting in the whole counsel of God. And the reason this is important is because Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Bible illuminates the right path. Now, the way onto that path is through a person named two, Jesus Christ, right? He says, I am the way. So Jesus is the way. Onto the path, the way on is Jesus Christ. But you know that you're walking on the path when the word of God illuminates that path for you. And when you reject portions of the word of God, or when you reject all of the word of God, you end up in that moment turning off the light on the path. That was another cool thing about Tahoe. When you turn the lights off in Tahoe, it's actually dark. And when you turn the lights off in Tahoe, there are actually millions of stars in the sky that you can see. It's dark on the path. And if I was to go walking around in Tahoe, I would definitely bring a flashlight because every single day, bears were trying to break into our cabin, okay? Uh, That's not an exaggeration. They were breaking into our cabin every day, Uh, mommy and her two cubs. So I would need a flashlight 
if I was to walk in the dark. You need a flashlight to illuminate the path that God has for you. And that flashlight is the word of God. And here's something I want you to know about me. When, when I come here to preach, my goal is to preach the whole counsel of Scripture, not just the popular stuff, not just the easy stuff, but all of it. Because here's the thing. I don't want to be somebody who's willing to turn on the light in some areas and snuff out the light in other areas. I want God to light up my life. And the only advice that I can give is advice through the Word of God. And so when I preach here, you're going to get the whole counsel of Scripture even when it's hard. Because I believe God's word is the light that lights the path to the blessed and happy life. The blessed man, the blessed woman meditates on God's word day and night, daily time with him where they're wrestling with God. And as they wrestle with God, their character is forged And the inner man, the inner woman is built up. And the inner man, inner woman is who you really are. When God sees you, God sees the inside. He sees the real you. And the real you is forged by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And so are you illuminated by the word of God or are you doing things your own way? Now we all know building takes work. Anybody uh, CrossFit, CrossFit fans here today? Any of you? Okay, zero of you. All right, so this won't work. Uh, Gym fans, here's the thing. We know what it's like to build things, right? If you want to build your body, it takes work. You got you to gotta eat right and do certain things. If you want to hit PRs, that's the best feeling, hitting a PR. Or if you're in sports, throwing the ball over and over again, being persistent, running the drill until you get it right, building an object, organizing your stuff, planning, dreaming, constructing in stages, building the inner life takes work, just like everything else important in life takes work. How vibrant is your inner life? The first key of a vibrant, blessed life is to delight in God's word. The second is to be a blessing to others. So this guy, this gal, doesn't just delight in God's word and hold it in. It it impacts how this person lives so that now they're a blessing to others. Here's what it says. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked, though, are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. What I love about this psalm and, and psalms in general is that they are full of metaphors. In this case, we're given two word pictures for what the godly and what the wicked look like. The godly are like fruitful trees that bless everyone in their path. Okay, we live in Lemoore, so we see fruitful trees all the time. You guys should understand this illustration perfectly. When you go by a fruitful tree, it, what is that fruit on that tree for? Is it, is it for the tree? No, it's, it's for others to enjoy. That's what fruit is for. You're either a fruitful tree in this psalm or you're chaff. You're you're a tree that blesses others or you're chaff that blows away in the wind. And so here's the big idea. God's people are blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed you with the word, with the Holy Spirit, with salvation, with a family, with friends, with a home, with a vehicle, with a bicycle, with a job, with health, whatever you have, whatever good things you have from the Lord, he has blessed you with those things, not so that you can hoard those things, but so that you could use those things to be a blessing 
to others. God intends to bless others through the fruit of your life. When you walk down God's path, the happy life, the life illuminated by the word of God, you will experience blessing after blessing after blessing. Can I get an amen? amen? God will bless you. God has blessed you. He loves you. He cares about you. He blesses you with blessing upon blessing. And when you follow him and you walk in his ways, you experience his blessing day after day after day. And the question then is, what do you do with that fruit? What do you do with that blessing? Well, at that point, God wants you to turn around and use those blessings to be a blessing to those around you, to be a conduit of his grace. You receive grace and now you give. Give grace to the world. So here's the question. Are you a conduit of grace? There are two kinds of people in the world. Reservoirs and rivers. Are you a reservoir? A reservoir is stale and stagnant, hoarding everything, and, and, and it's not a great place to be. Or are you a river pouring into others, a source of life for others. God, what's so cool about God, God is a river. He describes himself in this passage as a river that washes over people, pours into people. He doesn't hoard blessings. He pours out blessings. Okay, can I get it? That should get us excited. Anything get us excited today, that should be one of them. God blesses creation. Lost people, broken people, found people. He blesses everybody. Life breath in your lungs is a blessing. A child is a blessing. A marriage is a blessing. A roof over your head is a blessing. A church to call home and worship at is a blessing. God has blessed you. Sometimes we just need to sit back and say, thank you, Jesus, and actually be grateful because we are blessed. South Valley, you are blessed. Share the wealth. He has blessed you to be a blessing. Here's one way to look at it. If Jesus had your resources, your life, how would he use it? How would Jesus use your car to be a blessing to somebody else? How would Jesus use your dinner table to be a blessing to somebody else? How would Jesus use your finances to be a blessing to somebody else. He's the one who blessed you with hands to work, gave you skills to, to, to make a living. And now his goal is that you would use these things, not just to feed yourself and your family and experience and enjoy those blessings, but to give and be a blessing to everybody else around you. How would he use your health to be a blessing to others? How would he use your intellect? How would he use your skills? How would he use your hobbies? If Jesus had your life, how would he use it to minister to others? You have been blessed to be a blessing. And, and, and he wants to bless others through the good things in your life. He also wants to bless others through the hard things in your life. You know why I know that? Because Jesus' greatest hardship, the cross, resulted in our greatest blessing, forgiveness. The nails in Jesus' hands resulted in our oneness and salvation with the Father. His hardest moment was our moment of triumph. Same is for you. 
I know there are people in this church today who are going through hard times. And you're like, man, blessed to be a blessing. My life has not been blessed for the last five years. You don't know what I'm going through. Even that, Jesus wants to use. Even that, Jesus wants to redeem. Your hard times, the, the, the pain, the struggles, even that, even those are blessings used for ministry. You have been blessed to be a blessing. Now, the opposite of the blessed life is chaff. So you're a tree or you're chaff. This is chaff here. And uh, do you know what chaff tastes really delicious on? Nothing. Okay? Just in case you were wondering, nothing. Okay, you can't put that on a taco. It's not going to taste good. As good as In-N-Out is, In-N-Out can't even cover this up. All right? This is chaff. You know what chaff is good for? Fire. This is a really eye-opening psalm. There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who walk in God's ways, on God's path, and are blessed by him and bless others, or those who reject God and do things their own way, and their lives are actually just going to, in the end, just be a puff of dust ending in a fire. That's, that's the reality of this passage. And so that leads us to the final point. We're either trees or chaff. And so the question is this, or the final key is this, live with the end in mind. Live with the end in mind. He says this, therefore, in conclusion, the wicked, they're not going to stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The psalm starts off happy, 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 and then it ends with a warning. Two paths, two ways, two endings. One ends with life in the presence of God. One ends with death apart from God. One ends with joy and in life forever. The other ends with fire. One is a blessing to others. The other goes up into a puff of smoke. Which life, which path are you on today? Live with the end in mind. So the end of this psalm poses an important question. Where are you going to stand? And the, the standing here is, is standing in the final day, at the end of your life. I know you know this, but our lives are a vapor. Our lives are just a moment. They're here one day. They're gone the next. We don't know when we will actually have to give an account before the Lord. We don't know our beginning from our end. God does. We learned that from Marcus, right? We learned that Psalm 139. God knows our beginning from our end. Some of us think we have more time to get back on the path, and so we ignore getting on the path because we're like, you know what? I'll do that next year. I'll do that when I retire. I'll do that when, I, when I'm done in my party phase. I'll do that when I'm done, you know, you know, uh, just living in my youth. I'll do that, you know, when I, when I feel like I'm finally, uh, like, going to die, then I'll do that. No, you don't know when you're going to stand before the Lord. You don't know your beginning from your end. Only Jesus does. Today might be the only day you could get back on the path. Today might be it. Today might be your last day, last moment for, to wake up and to hear the voice of God in your life and to be like Johnny and be like, you know what? Yeah, I crashed. Yeah, I fell. Yeah, I'm lost. Yeah, this hurt. But look over there. That looks awesome over there. Get back on the bike, dust yourself off, 
go to Jesus. He's forgiving. He's gracious. He's the way. He will make a new way for you. He loves you. He'll embrace you. I don't care how far you've fallen away. He will pick you back up. He will put you on the path. He will bless you and make you a blessing to others. If you trust Jesus today, you can know the right path and your end will be secure because you will stand in the presence of your God and Father, the maker who made your soul, who loves you. There is life for you, but you have to choose today to get on the path. What path are you on, church? Make this summer a summer where you are walking firmly on the path. Three ways that you can, and and let me just say this. Jesus, who talks about the path, when I talk about the path, the wicked path and the righteous path, those who are walking on the righteous path, they don't get to look down at those on the wicked path, okay? It's not like the righteous people are better than the wicked. Like, oh man, I'm so awesome and you guys are so messed up. Like, I'm so great and so holy and beautiful and you are just like, look at you. No, we don't get to have that attitude. We didn't get ourselves on the path. Who was the way to the path? Jesus. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We didn't earn a right to be on the path. Jesus made a way for us to be on the path. And so we don't look down at the wicked. We don't look down at those who are far from God. We don't mock those who are lost and broken and crashing and burning in life. We don't laugh at them. Even though I laughed at Johnny when he crashed, I regretted it right away. We don't do that to people. We don't laugh and mock. We know what it's like to be lost. We know what it's like to make the wrong turn. We know what it's like to be broken. The only reason we are on the path is not because we follow rules better than everybody else. We are on the right path because we said yes to Jesus and he set us on the path. And now we get to invite others to the same life that we have, to the same path that we're walking not to a life of rules, but to a life of grace and forgiveness and, and, and love through the Father, a life illuminated by the word of God. So here's the conclusion for you today. Three ways to apply. Number one, are, are you on the right path? Number one, get on the right path today. I don't know where you're at today. Get on the right path today. Number two, get in the word. Once you're on that path through Jesus Christ, let God's word illuminate that path for you. Don't, don't just listen to what everyone else is saying. Don't follow your emotions and feelings. Don't ignore parts of scripture just because they're hard. Take in the whole word of God. Listen to the word of God. Let God's word light your way. And finally, bring someone with you. Guys, who's your guy? Girls, who's your girl? Jesus changed the world by investing in 12 disciples. 12 guys changed the whole world. Who are you investing in? This path is a path that God calls you to invite someone to. Have you invited your neighbor to the path? Have you invited your friend to the path? Have you invited your coworker to the path? Guys, you have learned life lessons because God wants to use you to invest in another guy, a young guy, another man, somebody God wants to invest in 
through you. Who are you discipling? Women, who are you discipling? Who are you pouring into? This path, if you are on this path alone, then the the light has turned off in some ways. Turn the light back on and bring somebody with you. Grab arms with somebody else. Bring them along on the path. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless others through you. That is Psalm 1. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for a chance to to just share your word today. I pray that we would be uh, confident in you, that we would walk in you, um, that we would not be afraid to trust you even when it's hard. I pray that we would trust your word, all of your word, and that we would share that word with others. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you for uh, another amazing Sunday. Bless this church and, and help us as we close with one more song. In Jesus' name, amen.